0: thanks for listening to the toronto legends podcast i am your host andrew applebaum my guest today is former maple leafs goaltender alan bester alan was in the nhl for 11 seasons eight of those playing over 200 games for our beloved blue and white from 1983 to 1991, Allen patrolled the Buds' net and was known for his stand-up style, aggressively coming out of his crease to challenge shooters. In addition to his NHL experience, Allen was very successful both in the American Hockey League, where he won a Calder Cup, and at the 1989 World Championships in Stockholm, Sweden, where he won a silver medal representing Team Canada. Welcome, Alan Bester, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. You are not in Toronto these days. Where are you and how are you?
1: Thank you, Andrew. My pleasure to be here. I am located in Orlando, Florida. Oh. Yeah, I finished my career with the Orlando Solar Bears of the International Hockey League and decided to stay. I uh, got my citizenship. So I am a dual citizen, I'm Canadian and US, and living here very happily. Uh, it's a little slice of paradise. Well,
0: you can't be faulted for making a choice settling in Florida. You know, really, you really chose I, the late
1: weather. I enjoy golfing, being able to golf 12 months of the year. Yes.
0: Well, that'll do it. And what are you doing in Orlando these days?
1: I am a senior sales manager for Hilton Hotels. I represent the Signia by Hilton Bonnet Creek and the Waldorf Astoria Orlando, as well as the Hilton Orlando at the convention center. And I handle the sports market, of course, and uh, book everything from NBA and NFL. Uh, we had the Pro Bowl. We were the host hotel for the Pro Bowl the past couple of years. Um, I've also did the MLS All Star Game. We were the host hotel for that. So everything from that pro league down to the Soccer Moms, the Ten Rooms or the Soccer Moms and the teams that come in to play at Disney. So it uh, keeps me busy. I've got three hotels to book, and it keeps me busy, and, and I enjoy it.
0: Fabulous. And and as we all know, Florida is the heart of tourism. And of course, Orlando, have you noticed things picking up recently or maybe Florida has been a little in Orlando in particular, a little ahead of the rest of the country?
1: Yeah, we've been ahead of the rest of the country and, and especially North America. Um, we found um, in the past couple months, things have uh, accelerated greatly even, even beyond the 2019 levels. Um, a lot of, a lot of companies and organizations that uh, canceled during 2020 and 21 are now booking in 22 and they're booking in our non-peak season. So uh, like August would normally be a slow season, but it is uh, it is jamming as far as we're concerned right now.
0: Good for you. Good to be busy. Absolutely. And may I ask about your family in Orlando?
1: Well, my wife and I are empty nesters now. Um, Congratulations. Virgin. Yes, her two children uh, Are off in the business world and and doing their thing. Uh, My three girls are uh, are finished school and uh, doing their thing. My uh, my middle daughter has got her PhD and working for um, Pfizer in uh, Colorado, so I'm very very pleased about that and very happy that she's doing well. And she just recently got married, so it's been uh, been a great year.
0: Congratulations! It sounds like you got everyone off the payroll, so you can enjoy your golfing. Yes, that's most important. When was the last time you were on? ice
1: skates uh it's been a few years now um i've gained considerable amount of weight and uh, uh, i've had a, a health scare a couple couple health scares i had um blood clots in my lungs twice now oh, wow. uh, multiple blood clots in my lungs uh, pulmonary embolisms and uh, have to be on blood thinners the rest of my life so based on that um it was my wife suggested I don't put the pads back on and play in these charity games because if someone runs into me and I bruise my liver, I could bleed to death. So or bruise my kidney or um, my bladder or whatever. So um, as she said, it's it's not worth it. So I hung the skates up, actually got rid of basically all my equipment. Okay. So I wouldn't be tempted,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but maybe it's better that way. I was going to ask you about the, 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 hockey culture in Florida. Of course, we know about the Panthers and the Lightning, but do you find there's a lot of recreational hockey play and uh, and a, a more of an appreciation for that as a sport in the southern U.S.?
1: Absolutely. Um, RDV Sportsplex, which is the um, complex that we used to practice out of with the Solar Bears, has a, has a tremendous uh, minor hockey organization going. And then there's, you know, throughout Florida, there's rinks that have quite a bit of minor hockey, and they play each other quite a bit. So I was at one time teaching uh, goaltenders out of Kissimmee. So I would go down there and work with their goaltenders, maybe five or six at a time, um, one evening a week, just to kind of go over and and, and teach them some of the basics. It's it's incredible. If I had told you
0: 40 years ago you'd be teaching goalies in Florida, you would have thought I was nuts.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
0: Well, if I may, I'd like to go all the way back and get the full Alan Bester story. You are not a Torontonian. Where were you born and and what was your upbringing?
1: I was born in Hamilton, uh, which is 20 minutes from Toronto, basically. Um, My dad was a huge Toronto Maple Leaf fan. I was a Montreal Canadian fan. Uh So every uh every Saturday night we fought like cat and dog. Um, Cats and dogs every night. So every Saturday night. Um, I was the youngest of eight children. Um, quite a bit younger, my, uh, had six kids in the first 10 years and two in the last 10 years. So my sister and I are seven years apart, but my closest brother is 10 years older than me. Okay. And then my oldest sister is 21 years older. So I was the baby of the besters, um, had a lot of adult influence growing up with my, my siblings. So it was, uh, it was interesting. I, I was primarily almost an only child. Uh, for the simple fact that they were so much older and most of them had moved out of the house and were doing their own things, yep. but uh, very close to my family. Um, used to visit them every Christmas and every chance I got when I was playing junior and in Toronto, uh, I'd make sure I did the rounds to make sure I visited everybody as much as possible. But um, I grew up in in Hamilton, as I said, a Montreal Canadian fan. Ken Dryden was my hero. Ken Dryden. Rogie Vachon. prior to that, when he was with Montreal and yep. then Ken Dryden. Uh, I was uh, honored to meet Kenny a few times and I've got uh, my one and only autographed uh, poster or picture um, up on the wall of my uh, family room uh, of Ken and signed to me so that's my my pride and joy
0: That's fabulous Now growing up in a family with eight were you generally like fighting for scraps or were you treated like uh, you alluded to this a bit maybe your 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 older siblings treated you like a bit the youngest Protected you? Did they protect you or beat you up more?
1: uh A little bit of both. <laughs> um oh, I hear I hear stories. I used to hear stories that uh, I'd be in bed early, and my brothers, who were ten to twenty years older than me, my four brothers would come home and they would gamble and bet which way I would stand me up while I was sleeping and bet which way I'd fall. So, oh, that's so, helpful. Yeah, yeah. So they did they did some fun things with me, and uh, but uh, overall they treated me very well and. And uh, got to do a lot of things that a lot of kids didn't get a chance to do. Uh, my brother Ray and I did a lot of dog training because he's, um, he's a dog trainer. He has uh, black labs. He's had numerous labs uh, that have become grand champions. And I used to train with him quite a bit, which was a lot of fun getting out to the marshes and things like that. And throwing practice dummies for him and things, things along that line. So I had a lot, a lot of very, very entertaining and full childhood. That's fantastic.
0: And where'd you go to high school in Hamilton?
1: I went to St. Mary's okay. high school, and I played on the St. Mary's hockey team as well as the Hamilton Huskies. Um, and uh, that was interesting because we had a very uh, immature young team. Uh, one of the first the first years that they had uh, had a hockey team, and uh, I was facing about 70 shots a game. Oh, my so goodness. I was, so I was well prepared to go to Toronto during the 80s. <laughs> Yeah,
0: for sure. And the Hamilton Huskies, what, what league or level would that have been?
1: That was triple A. Okay. Um, minor hockey, triple A out of Hamilton.
0: Okay. And how'd you get into hockey? I'm guessing with the older siblings, the obvious kind of thing would have been older siblings played hockey, but maybe not. How'd you get into hockey?
1: Well, my older siblings would stick me in net and fire pucks <laughs> and balls at me. So yes, that's how it kind of started. Goes in yeah. And so then, uh, on the street, I would, I was always playing goal and, and, uh, Playing ball hockey and, and things like that, so that's how how that went. Um, at one point, I would get calls from all over the city to come play goal for them because this this uh, high school or whatever grade school was playing another school, and they wanted me in net because I'd gotten a reputation for being a pretty good goaltender. Yeah. Even even with ball hockey, and the word got around Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, and and were you a goalie right from the start, Alan? Absolutely, absolutely. And I was uh, nine years old. I went and played for the uh, um, Kiwanis League in uh, in Macklin Arena on, uh, I can't remember the name of the street now, but Macklin Arena, um, Coronation Arena on Macklin Street. That's what it okay. was. And, uh, and I played goal for the minor um, house league team for one year. And then I played for the house all-star team where we played Parkdale and played uh, different, different ranks all over. And then the following year, I went to Tiger Town, which is defunct. Uh, I guess it was Police Minor at one time, but then became Tiger Town. I played that. It was more or less a double A. And then my first year, midget, I ended up going to uh, the Hamilton Huskies. Okay, and
0: and uh, did you play on any traveling teams? Or the Huskies would have been, I guess, a traveling. The traveling team, yeah. yeah.
1: And we won the All Ontarios for minor midget. Okay. We didn't go on to the Silver Stick. Uh, major midgets would have gone to do that across Canada. We just won the, uh, the Ontario Championship.
0: And was your youth hockey, hockey, hockey all the time, or were there other sports you were interested in?
1: I played a little bit of everything. I played mm-hmm. uh, a fair bit of tennis. Uh, we had a, um, the Hamilton Tennis Club just around the corner from my house, and I used to get a $25 membership and play the clay courts and uh, a lot of times, I'd find a, an adult who uh, was on his own, and I would just return balls for him. Uh, so I did play a fair bit of tennis. I enjoyed that, and of course, we played we played a lot of football and and chase and tag and all that. So we, we did a lot of things. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of some of my earliest memories were going up to the H grounds, uh, Hamilton. Uh, I don't know what, it, what what it stood for, but the H grounds. Uh, where the Hamilton Hurricanes used to play, and uh, we'd go up there during the winter. And there was a, they would make a rink in the field and in yeah. the, the football field, and we would play out there. And I'd be in rubber boots and a baseball glove and a woolen mitt for my my blocker hand. And all these older kids would be shooting pucks at me. And yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy time for me. You got
0: in your practice for sure. Exactly. Now, I wonder, starting from goalie, I wonder how, how was your skating ability and how did you work on skating, knowing that you started in net from the very beginning?
1: Um, never really worked on skating. Um, it just, uh, I, I was always agile, um, and, and quick. So, um, you know, I used to skate, you know, during practice and things like that, but it was never, I was never a, a real strong skater, mm-hmm. but I had the mobility and, uh move around the crease pretty well
0: now did you know right from when you were in this uh, Hamilton Huskies that stage that you were going to make hockey as your career or that you hoped to did you see that you were on a path that you could keep going with hockey
1: absolutely not I was <laughs> playing for the Hamilton Huskies and my coach uh, Dave Morrison called me um, and said I got drafted to Brantford Alexander's at the OHL okay. I said oh really he said yeah you got drafted I said, awesome so I was the third goaltender taken by the Alexanders. Uh, Tom Barrasso was one. Frank Peter Angelo was another. They both decided not to go to Brantford. So I was the only goaltender that they had actually drafted when I went to camp. And um, we had four or five goaltenders come in every day. And I was the only man standing after at the end of the day. And then they bring four or five more goaltenders in. And I ended up staying and being part of the team but uh, I never had any aspirations of didn't think it was possible to play in the NHL that was that was too big a dream to think about uh, until after my first year of junior after the first year of junior, I said to myself, I said next year I'm gonna have the lowest goals against average. I'm gonna make the all-star team and I'm gonna get drafted and, and all three all three things happened So
0: you got to have goals and then go for yeah. them yeah. Alan, at that time, was the U.S. college route a viable route to go to the NHL, or it strictly had to be OHL or, or junior hockey?
1: It leaned much more to the junior hockey at that time, but there were players definitely going from um, minor hockey in, in Canada to the U.S. and making it to the NHL. It was just mm. it just wasn't as popular. Um, you know, Frank, Frank, Frank Peter Angelo did. Mm-hmm. Um, he decided to to go to Harvard actually and played there. And I, that was his route to the NHL. Um, but for me, I was, when I went to junior, it was, I was going to get my education from hockey. That was my main goal was to get my okay. education from hockey. And then, as I said, after my first year, I kind of said, you know, I'm going to at least get drafted to an NHL team.
0: So when you were in Brantford then, Alan, you'd be going to high school as well? Yes. And, and how that must've been really difficult. It's hard enough to go through school, but you're also, you know, pursuing your hockey. Did that take off self-discipline or was it really something where the, the team really made sure you also went to class?
1: Um, it was fairly easy for me. I was a pretty good student. Yeah. Um, for an example of that is I ended up with a 99 in grade 10 chemistry or no grade 10 uh, biology and physics. I ended up with a 99% for the year. Um, I found school fairly easy. Mm-hmm. And um, so it wasn't, wasn't a, a big deal for me. We would go to school all day. And then right after school, I had a car. I would load in five or six guys to my car and take them to practice. And we would practice. Um, but uh, sometimes when you had road trips to the Sioux and Sudbury, you'd miss some school. But I worked with my teachers and got, you know, homework ahead of time and things like that and worked on it. So, as I said, I was always a pretty good student, so it was not a huge issue for me. Um, and while I was in junior, my second year in junior, um, they decided because I was such a good student and, um, always on time and a and punctual, they put Bob Probert with me. Okay. So Bobby Probert was my billets. Um, so I would take care of Bobby, um, as much as I could, yeah, uh, you know, for uh, to getting them to practice, getting them to school, things like that. That was that was my job. So that that was interesting. Uh, third year, I decided not to uh, to live with him. Um, okay, it got to be a little bit too much for me. So I found uh, else another billet to live with. But uh, for the second, my second year was uh, it was interesting.
0: You had a lot on your plate. You're going to school. Yeah, you're playing. Yeah. And your uh babysitting. babysitting Bobby Probert. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask about your billet. How does that work? So for three years, you were uh, in Brantford. You'd be billeting with a family for for two of those years. Are you, would you? Are you still close with them today? Is that some someone you'd keep in touch with, or what was that experience like being away from home?
1: I did for for quite some time, but we've kind of drifted apart. I haven't spoken to them in, in quite a few years now. Um, but at one time. I reconnected with them and uh, I was actually his best man at his second wedding or third wedding. I'm not sure which it was, but uh, I was his best man because I had a house in West Lake, which is just uh, south of Belleville on West Lake. And uh, he had his uh, the wedding and the reception and everything at my house and I was his best man. So, yeah. it was, uh, so we reconnected, but we have since kind of drifted apart.
0: So you're playing in the OHL for the Brantford Alexanders. What were your expectations leading into the 1983 NHL entry draft? Was there any buzz about what teams might be interested in you? Did you have any expectations?
1: Um, I didn't to be honest with you. Um, i was I was It was between Barrasso and myself uh, as far as where we were uh, rated. Uh, some teams had me ahead of them. So other teams had him ahead of me, uh, and then he went first round. So I was the second goaltender taken, but I was until the third round. And uh, as I was walking to the table to meet with Toronto, um, Pittsburgh uh, came up to me and and stopped me and said I was their next pick. So they they were very pleased, happy for me, but they said I was their next pick. So I could have ended up in Pittsburgh if Toronto hadn't uh, pulled the trigger in the third round.
0: Well, thankfully, ended up in Toronto. June 8th, 1983, the NHL entry draft was held at the Montreal Forum. It sounds like you were there.
1: Oh, yeah, I went.
0: Did did you have an agent? And I think at that time, um, sorry, I'm not trying to date you, but I would have assumed it was a a phone draft. Were were you encouraged to go? And what did your agent tell you?
1: Yeah, uh, Don Mian was my agent. So uh, he had Pat LaFontaine, myself, uh, and a handful of others. He was just starting out. And... uh, I uh, I went to the draft and uh, sat with them. My dad also came uh, and he uh, he stayed with some uh, family friends that he knew from town. So he stayed with them and he had his own he had his own time. I had my time. He had his own time, and uh, so we were both there at the draft when I got uh, called and walked down to the the table of meet Toronto.
0: Do you remember that experience of your name being called and going yes. down? Yes. Yes. You must have been over the moon.
1: Yeah, I was thrilled. I was very happy. I was very excited. Um, You know, funny thing was uh, Detroit chose in the second round from the Bramford Alexanders. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to Detroit. And then I think it was uh, Bob Probert that was taken. Your uh, partner. And Toronto picked from the Banford Alexanders in the second round, Jeff Jackson. So I'm like, okay, that wasn't me. (laughs) Good, the
0: highs (laughs) and the lows. I'm
1: I'm half out of my chair. Nope, that's not me.
0: (laughs) Now, Alan, being from Hamilton and playing your junior in Brantford, you were essentially drafted by your hometown team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, although you've made it very clear you were a Habs fan. You were the third choice of the Leafs, 48th overall. Um, What do you remember about? After the draft day, what happened? Take us from the draft day to training camp.
1: Well, um, if, I, if I remember correctly, I ended up with pneumonia uh, prior to camp. Um, so I only spent a short time uh, in Toronto's camp. Um, can't say I really remember it too well, but I was only there a short time because I missed most of camp. um then I went back to Brantford and, and started my my third year in Brantford um, after having such a great year the prior year and uh, played to Christmas and then went to the um, world junior championships in Sweden
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with Ken Reggett. And uh, we were both playing in uh, the uh, World Championships, World Junior Championships. And then when I came home. Uh, I put all my clothes into the dry cleaners and kind of got all my stuff arranged back at the rink. And Dave Draper called me in and said, uh, you better pack your stuff back up. You're going to Toronto. They, they have some, uh, some injuries and some illness and they want you to come up and play. So I had to try and get everything back and get organized and get repacked and drive off to Toronto and ended up playing uh, four or five games for them before they sent me back to uh, junior. Okay. And then I was back in junior for about a week before I got called back up and finished the season in Toronto.
0: Excellent. So you, you really didn't even have kind of time to process it, pack my stuff, get over there. And yep. when did you first know you'd be, uh, was your first game a start or were we, we filling in mid game? I, I went
1: in the third period against St. Louis, um, uh, made a couple big saves. I can still remember making a, a pretty big save off of, uh, and I can't remember who it was, but, uh, off the side of the net and and coming across and made it a big save. And I played well in the third, shut them out on the third period. So I was pretty happy. Um, I thought maybe I'd get the next start, but it was in in Toronto. And so he decided he didn't, Mike Nicollet didn't want to start me in Toronto. Okay. So uh, we went to Minnesota and um, he didn't tell me the night before. He told me day of that I was going to start. Wow. Because he didn't want me to get too freaked out. And yeah. uh, and I played well. I, th- I believe we won four three. Um, I think I got first star. Yeah. Um, so it was uh, it was a good start, you know. And I, I played well for the first four or five games that I was there.
0: Yeah. Um, do, you, do you remember having a family be able to come in from Hamilton and see you? Was that
1: possible? Uh, only in Toronto, of course. Yep. And, and and I was always needing tickets. But uh, my family were pretty happy to stay at home and watch it on TV. They they got to watch more of the games. So it was uh, my sister, my dad. You know, would would come to the game. Yeah. Uh, my mo- mother never came to a game. She would watch it on TV.
0: Playing at Maple Leaf Gardens, did you have to pinch yourself? I mean, what was the experience like standing there? Did it hit you at some point? Here I am. I'm on the ice. I'm in the net.
1: You know, I, there was so much fear involved, you know, every <laughs> night of having to play as well as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew I was going to get 30, 40 shots a game. So, uh, and I was just trying to stay there. So it was, it was, I was consumed by, um, nervousness and fear Yeah, uh, that I needed to play well and needed to be prepared and, and, and not embarrass myself, you know. And you were how old? And... I was 19. Incredible. And I played 25 games in a row to finish the season. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I, there were some shellackings in there. There was 9-1 to to the Islanders and there was also uh, some good nights. We, we won four games in a row. We won't beat uh, the Quebec... Boston back to back and another another solid team but we ended up winning four games in a row which Toronto was out of the playoffs by Christmas time so yeah um, Ballard made the call to to bring me back up yep uh, he told management that the fans want Bester bring him back and he's going to play so um but
0: uh well this two games
1: yeah sorry yeah yeah no you go ahead the two games against Boston we played back to back home and home uh, and I think I had 49 shots the one night and we won in Boston. And then the next night back in Toronto, I had 53 shots and we ended up winning both those games. Oh, um, and later on a year later, I'm playing in Hartford and Jerry Chevers comes up to me and says, Bester, you got me fired when you guys beat us back to back. He said, you got me fired <laughs> because we lost to Toronto back to back.
0: Well, you, you couldn't have heard it from a better
1: guy. Exactly.
0: Well, certainly this ties in with your stories, Alan, about the number of shots you got. I'm going to read you what came from the Toronto Star. During the 1980s, the Maple Leafs did not offer their goaltenders much in terms of defensive support. Although often left to fend for himself, Alan Bester made the most of an adverse situation and gave a huge effort every single night. Did you remember feeling that way? What did you recall about your time with the Leafs when you had so much work between the pipes?
1: Well, again, I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. I was, you know, just trying to do the best I could. You know, I was given a tremendous opportunity, um, and I just I just wanted to play the best I could, and, and for as long as I could. You know, I was always in fear of being sent down to the minors. I was always in fear of not playing well. Um, I wanted to play well for my team. I wanted my team to win. And if I could help limit the amount of goals – the opposition scored. It gave us a chance to win. Um, so that was that was basically my mindset was I didn't think about, you know, I'm playing in Toronto in front of, you know, 18,000 and how many millions across Canada. It was all about I want to play well tonight. I don't want to embarrass myself. I want to give my team a chance to win. Boy, uh, fear can be a big driver. Yep, exactly. Now,
0: there have been many great duos over modern history. Bert and Ernie, Batman and Robin, Simon and Garfunkel. But there was also Ken Reggett and Alan Bester. Again, back from the Toronto Star. Thrust into action at the age of 19, by the end of the 80s, Alan Bester was part of a promising young tandem with Ken Reggett. Was this more of a collaborative or a combative relationship between you and Ken Reggett?
1: Well, we were different personalities. Um, I had severe anxiety, uh, which manifested itself into being very chatty and nerve being nervous and very chatty. And, and, uh, uh, it it, it didn't lend itself well to a good relationship with Ken. Mm -hmm. Um, we tried to support each other. We tried to work together, but management pitted, pitted us against each other. Mm -hmm. It was okay. Whoever's playing the best is going to play, you know, and, and we were both trying to keep that number one job. So it was very tough to be there for each other. Mm -hmm. Now, if it had been, when I was in training camp, my second year, Mike Palmateer was there and Mike told me, he said, it's going to be you and me this year. You're going to play the majority of games. I'm going to spell you out. Now that would have been a great relationship because you've got a a seasoned veteran who I'm not competing against every night. You know, when you have two 19 year olds, trying to win the job and keep the job. It made it very tough to be a good tandem.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's that's,
1: that's the best way I could put it. And, and, and my personality didn't help either, you know, just my personality with being um, the anxiety I had back then, uh, which um, manifested even more. So when I retired from hockey and I actually am on um, some anti-anxiety medication now, which has helped unbelievably. So it's made me much calmer. Um, I don't have panic attacks, things like that. So it's been great.
0: Well, it's certainly being coming through the COVID and everything. We've all realized how much support we need. And when you recognize your own uh, places where you need help, that's something much more recognizable today. But back then, as you say, two 19-year-olds together, that's very difficult. Now, today, Alan, goalie platoons are not only accepted, but but in fact, you could say demanded. Uh, many think Frederick Anderson's playoff problems here were caused by riding him too hard. Load management is a necessary tool in today's NHL. But how did you feel about sharing the net with someone else? I, I appreciate there were the, the tension between the two of you, but how did you feel about this situation? And would you have preferred... A situation where it was very clear one or the other was the number one.
1: Well, when, especially before Kenny got traded, um, he was generally the number one goaltender. I was uh, I would come in for short spurts, three or four games, and then sit the pine uh, while Kenny got the majority of the games. That's kind of the way it went. Um, a lot had a lot. I felt a lot of it had to do with uh, Kenny's size. He filled more of the net. Um, I don't know. I seemed to play well, but uh, you know, I'd have a, an off game, and then I would sit for an extended period of time before I got another chance to come in and play three or two or three games. So, um, mm. but then, uh, and Kenny got traded, and I became the number one guy, um, you know, for for the next few years, which was great. Um, the nice thing about going to the minors is, was I knew I was the number one goaltender, and I was going to play the majority of games, and I expected to play every night. Mm-hmm. uh 50-60 games I expected it and uh you know getting a break now and then was great. Um enjoyed it actually, you know, getting a, a night off. But um it, it, it's much easier to play when you know you're playing to play every night. Yeah. Um you know how to set yourself up and practice, how hard to work in practice, how much sleep to get, you know, kind of gear your whole life around the fact that you're gonna be playing 50-60 games. And you need to conserve your energy. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to ask you about the owner, the late Mister Harold Ballard. What were your interactions with him, and, and what did you think about him?
2: Well,
1: I I have nothing but great things to say about Mister Ballard. Um, he was the reason I was in Toronto at 19 years old. He put the word in to management. Said, you know, we're we're not going anywhere. We're not making the playoffs. The the fans want Bester back. Bring him back. And so, uh, Jerry McNamara uh, being the uh, dutiful employee he was, he, he called me back up and I finished the season in Toronto. Um, we were one night we were, uh, playing, not sure what city I'm going to say Minnesota, but I don't remember. Uh, Mr. Ballard had diabetes and, um, I guess he had uh, a lot of nerve damage in his feet. So his feet were cold. So he put, uh, hot packs on his feet. Well, he burnt his feet horribly and he was getting treated in, uh, in the medical room. When I walked into the rink for the game, he looks over and goes, Hey, Bester, I can get you a ride at Greenwood tonight. And I just looked at him and said, Mr. Ballard, you better be nice to me. He just looked at me. I said, you better be nice to me. I'll ruin your reputation and tell everyone you're a nice guy. <laughs> So, well, but, I mean, he he treated us every Christmas to plane tickets anywhere yeah. that uh, Canadian Airlines flew. Um, he treated us well. He loved the team. He loved the players. Uh, if you gave an effort, it was nothing more than uh, full support from Mister Ballard. Um, when my brother passed away, when I was in Toronto, and my brother Paul passed away, uh, Mister Ballard and King Clancy both came to the funeral in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, very touching you know, touched me very deeply and I really appreciated it very much.
0: It's very uh, meaningful.
1: So I've got nothing, nothing but great things to say about Mr. Ballard.
0: And how about you mentioned his partner in that famous bunker at Maple Leaf Gardens, King Clancy, how much interaction did you have with him?
1: Um, Just a little bit, not, not a lot. Uh, King would come in and and talk every once in a while, but um, you know, he did pass away uh, during my time in Toronto and and we went to the funeral and things like that. Uh, A few years later I was injured And I decided I wanted to watch the the game from the coach's office. So the team went out and and Brophy went out or whoever the coach was at the time. So I go walking in the coach's room to watch it on TV and sit back and relax. And Mr. Ballard's in there. So, Oh, Mr. Ballard, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were in here. He goes, Hey, Alan, come on, sit with me. So he dragged me over to the bunker. So I sat in the bunker with him and I'm trying to hide on the back wall of the bunker. Uh and he's like, oh no, Alan, come up here, sit up here on the, the counter. I'm like, yeah, okay. I really don't want to be seen by the rest of the players in here. And oh, you want something to drink? You want something to eat? We got some food. I was like, okay, great. Thank you. So for the he next a good month host. So for the next month I was called King Clancy by the by the team. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> Listen, hindsight is 2020, but when you look back, Alan, I know you were up and down at a time with the St. Catherine Saints and the new market saints. That was the AHL affiliate. Do you think you were brought up too early and with all this up and down, would you have benefited with a few years in the minors at the beginning and then make a kind of permanent shift to the Leafs or what are your thoughts on that? When you look back?
1: I'm thrilled the way it went. Um, I wish I had uh, played more consistently in Toronto. Um, There I'm, i am I feel bad that I didn't play as well as I'm capable of when I was in Toronto. I, uh, I always had issues with my right ankle
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, thought it was a skate issue. I thought maybe when Bauer changed the, the design of the skates, it threw off my, my pivot points, my balance um, come to realize later on, I had injured my ankle and, and stretched the ligaments in my ankle. And that's why even to this day, if I put rollerblades on, I lean to the outside on that right foot. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I dealt with all through my career after probably the first or second year and never realized that was the problem. And I would tie my skates differently and I always be working on my skates and trying to, to get the right feel, not realizing it was a medical issue. Um, You know, later on Mm -hmm. in my career, I end up having ankle surgery because, the wear and tear, I end up tearing some of the ligaments in my ankle, realizing that that was the issue all along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel very proud of myself that I was able to fight through it and play as long as I did with it. Um, but I always wonder what could have been if mm. I hadn't injured that ankle and I didn't have that issue. Um, I mean, I was, I was a wreck in the dressing room, retying my skate and, and trying to get it to feel comfortable where I could get on the balls of my feet and play like I play. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really a real stand up. I was more of a butterfly goaltender mm-hmm. and for me to be able to get into that position and hold it, um, was tough because I was always rolling the ankle over. Um, which became a huge issue later on in my career. And then I ended up having to have surgery on it.
0: You can see how competitive a guy you are, were and are today based on all this.
1: I want to sales. Yeah, well,
0: you found a good post-hockey career. I'll tell you that. I want to ask you about some of your teammates during your time. Maybe if you have any thoughts or memories. My personal favorite Maple Leaf, the King, Borea Salming any thoughts on him and memories
1: boria was great um, you know uh, i walked in as a 19 year old kid and then you've got boria salming there you know boria would do anything and everything to uh, to win you know he 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 wore very limited equipment but he would go down and block shots and take it in the chest and you know he was only wearing cups on his shoulders he was not wearing any chest protection and uh, you know boria played great. And, and he gave his all every night. So I have no, nothing but the utmost respect for Borya Salming.
0: And I believe you were there with Rick Vive during yep. his run of three fifty goal seasons, over 50 goals. How uh, was Rick? I must've been a thrill to watch that from the net. See it going yes. in the other
1: net. <laughs> yes. Oh, and, and playing, you know, you gotta remember I faced him more than any other goaltender because I saw him every day in practice. Yes. And he was using that big shot, trying to go high glove every time. And, uh, you know, Rick Rick could score. I mean, Rick had the shot, and and you know, you even though Rick scored 50, you got to remember Glenn Anderson and Builder Lego and the guys like that that helped. For a guy to be successful, like Brett Hall was, you had to have Adam Oates yep. and a Brendan Shanahan. You had to have a corner man, you had to have a setup man, and a goal scorer for yep. anybody to be successful. Gary Lehman scored 50 goals because he had. Um, Eddie Olchuk and Mark Osborne, mm-hmm. you know, that unit scored a lot of goals. And Gary had the the hands and could put the puck in the net like Rick could. Mm-hmm. But you can't overlook the work that was done to get them the opportunity to score.
0: You got to find that right chemistry. Right. And I believe your, your time in Toronto uh, overlapped with Wendell Clark. You were a teammate of his for a time?
1: Upmost... Imp- Uh, Respect for Wendell. Um, There's a man who gave everything he had, gave everything his body could. Um, You know, he played injured most of the time. Uh, You know, he did did everything and anything to win. Um, You know, you didn't want him to fight, but he would fight. Um, He was a true leader and a great individual and great teammate. And... um, I said, As I say, he's, he's one of my top, uh, most respected players in the league.
0: Well, he's still revered around here for sure. Alan, do you remember, where would you live in Toronto when you were a player? Would you Did you have uh, uh, roommates? Were you on your own? What part of town did you live in? Do you remember?
1: Well, I, I got an apartment in Etobicoke on the 30th floor. Um, my girlfriend's soon-to-be wife. I got married uh, very young, at 20. Uh, so my wife and I lived in the uh, 30th floor of an apartment building in uh, Etobicoke, right at the subway station, basically. And uh, then we moved to Mississauga. We had a house in Mississauga. Mm-hmm. And then we sold that and moved to the Markland Woods area in and
0: Etobicoke. The, the practice rink in those days was where?
1: It was Maple Leaf Gardens. mainly it was, eh? um, Yeah, mainly Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, occasionally we would go uh to jeez i can't remember where the rink was but uh it was unless there was something going on in maple leaf gardens we practiced in the gardens every day
0: well you're you're ahead of your time because the the practice rink for the leafs is now in etobicoke so would have been an easier (laughs) life for you i found photos of you wearing number one number 30 and number 31 for the leafs what's the correct story and was it was it just done for the purpose of a hockey card
1: I never wore number one. The hockey card you see, the the uh, the rookie card of me is yes. actually not my pitcher. That is Rick Saint Croix. <laughs> Rick Saint Croix. <laughs> because I guess they took pictures in Washington and the Leafs had already played in Washington that year um, when I came up. So they never got my pitcher for the hockey cards. So they used Rick Saint Croix's picture. So that's why you saw number one. Well that uh, is very interesting. And I- yeah, it's an uncorrected. Uh, error card
0: for those are those are worth a lot when you can find those
1: yeah that in about <laughs> that and about 15 cents could get you my card you know <laughs> well
0: hold on a second you're not going to believe this one i found on the internet for five dollars i can get a hockey card but it's 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 of you but it's actually includes a swatch of a game used jersey from both you and your rival red wings goalie greg stefan yep yep now <laughs> Back of one of your hockey cards says that you, Alan Bester, were into card collecting and in fact had opened a store near Toronto. Is that true?
1: Yes, we, we, Dave Reed was the card collector. He was uh, an avid card collector. So uh, he was starting up a uh, venture to own a, all, all, all pro cards or all, I can't remember now. It's been so long ago. Um, all star cards or whatever. We opened up a shop in, in uh, Ajax. Okay. And uh, I went in as a, basically a silent partner. Um, it was not something that I did. I mean, I did it as a kid, but I was not a col- big collector. Even to this day, I, as I said, I have one true autograph uh, from, from my playing days. There's really no other autographs that I have. Yeah. Um, oh, I've, I have Johnny Bauer. I shouldn't say that. I've got That's a, a few one, Johnny, a few good ones of Johnny myself. Um, so, um, so that's really a misnomer. I, I was not the card collector, but I did own own part of a shop in Toronto. That's good. Area.
0: Now, Alan, you won a silver medal with Team Canada at the World Hockey Championships in 1989 in Stockholm, Sweden. Yes, this podcast is Toronto Legends, but our listenership, it's worldwide. And Risto Pakarinen is a big-time European hockey journalist. And when he heard that you were coming on the pod, he submitted some questions. He says the 1989 world championships were held in Stockholm's brand spanking new arena, the globe. It is the largest hemispherical building on earth and looks like the death star from star Wars. Risto asks how Alan Bester enjoyed playing in the globe and what you remembered about your experience in Sweden.
1: Um, I, I was in Sweden for the world junior championships and for the world championships. Now the only issue with the world championships was I injured my knee during the exhibition games. So I stuck around until the start of the tournament, but my wife had just had a baby, so I opted to fly home and not be in the tournament. So I actually never did win a silver medal at the at the games. I, I had left, and Grant Fear came, and uh, I can't remember who else. Uh, Peter Sudorkovich took my spot, and Grant Fuhr was there, but uh, I ended up flying home, and to be with my wife
0: and my new uh, my new daughter. Wow. Well, this is an interesting clarification. Yep. <laughs> uh, Risto also wanted to add, by the way, he says to tell Mr. Bester that he, Risto, once scored a goal against Kenny Reggett and that he would like to shoot against you if you ever find yourself back in Sweden. So be forewarned, Alan Bester. I am forewarned. Stand down if you get too close to Sweden. After the Leafs, you were traded to the Detroit Red Wings uh, in 1991. The draft choice you were traded for never ended up going to the NHL. How did you hear about this trade, and how did you feel about it? This must have been quite dramatic for you to to find out you had been traded.
1: I was in New Market and preparing to play the Adirondack Red Wings that night, which is Detroit's farm team. And my coach at the time, uh, again, my memory fails me on what his name was, um, but he, uh, he pulled me aside and said, uh, you've got a call with uh, the general manager, give him a call. And uh, so I called and they said they had traded me to Detroit, and that uh, I was to, to be in Detroit that night. So wow. I went home and packed and everything and flew out to Detroit and, and uh, met the team the next day and stuff like that. So Um, but the coach said, you're not playing against us tonight, are you? I said, no, I'm going to Detroit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would have been quite a thing.
1: Sorry, (laughs) I'm changing dressing rooms.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would have been, uh, unforeseen before in hockey history. And Alan, was it a real whirlwind? Do you remember your emotions? Was it just so much happening so quickly? You didn't process it. Did you process it later?
1: Well, I was, I was excited because my days in Toronto were done, um, the coach the prior year made a big deal about uh, goals between my legs, and uh, really badmouthed me a lot in the uh, papers and stuff like that. So it was it was time for me to get out of Toronto. Um, I, I had kind of run my course there. Um, so you know, I ended up winning twenty games, the most I, I won my whole career in Toronto that year, and then. I was uh, relegated to the minors the following season. So uh, I was playing well in, in Newmarket and uh, went to Detroit. But when I got traded, I thought, you know what? The goaltender there, um, oh, geez, I remember his name now. Um, but whoever the goaltender was there, I thought, I can win this job. I can mm-hmm. win the job from Detroit, and I could be you know playing here. Okay. Um, I got to play three games for Detroit before the end of the season um at that time my uh my brother passed away um my mother passed away actually so i missed uh i missed a uh, portion of the season with detroit and uh that was the end of that so i didn't play much for detroit towards the end of that season because of uh, the death and and i played 3 games and then the following year i was in detroit but really didn't get a chance to play much until christmas and then they uh, sent me down to the minors.
0: But when you got to the minors in Adirondack, you did have great success in 1992. You won a Calder cup, the championship, and you actually also won the Jack Butterfield trophy as the playoff MVP. Did they give you a version of this trophy for your mantle or, uh,
1: I have a, one? I have a, I have the Jack Butterfield trophy. I have that in, uh, and it's, it's completely black now. It's completely tarnished. And it was, it was stuck in the closet for the longest time. And then now it's kind of uh, off to the side somewhere. But uh, it's, uh, it's not well maintained or taken care of. Um, the biggest thing with going to Adirondack, you know, at that time, I was very down on my career. You know, I'd just gotten shipped out of Toronto. I went to Detroit, didn't get a chance to become the number one goaltender. Got the feeling that they were not uh, not giving me the opportunity to uh, to be the number one guy or play. So I was I was kind of contemplating, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my career? You know, now I'm in the minors in in Adirondack, um, but my saving grace was the fact that Barry Melrose was the coach. Okay, Barry was the best coach I've ever had by far. Um, he took um, myself full of self-doubt, um, unsure of, of my abilities, unsure if I was going to play anymore, and did everything to build me up. Uh, treated me with unbelievable respect, and I would come in and sit down in Barry's office after a game and say, Barry, you know, I'm sorry, I let in that third goal. It, you know, it was not a good goal. It turned the game. he see just look at me and go, don't you ever apologize to me. Don't you ever apologize to me. You are working your butt off every night out there and you're giving us a chance to win. Don't you ever apologize for letting a goal in to me. And I was like, Whoa, where'd this come from? Yeah. And, and Barry would give me days off. He would have me go out and practice. He he let me decide what I wanted to do on the ice. And I would go through the wall for Barry. Um, He got my confidence back up, kept telling me how great I was. uh, And we ended up going to the finals and beating the Leafs farm system in the finals.
0: Revenge is the dish best served cold. Absolutely. It's on great ice. To have, it's great to, <laughs> on ice. It's <laughs> great to have someone like that in your life. And it's great, great they have these memories. Now, Alan, you ended your career in the I, the International Hockey League. You played with both the San Diego Gulls and the Orlando Solar Bears before officially announcing your retirement from professional hockey in nineteen ninety-eight. I want to ask you about anything notable about playing there. I mean I I can't even imagine playing in those climates. You must have been, were you thrilled to show up at the arena in your shorts, or was it a real culture shock for you?
1: Oh, it was great. It was great. Um, When I uh, left Detroit, I worked with Chris Osgood my second year in Adirondack. I worked with Chris Osgood all year. Him and I split the season. At the end of the season, he went to Detroit, and I went to Anaheim. I signed as a free agent with the Anaheim Ducks. So the funny story about the Anaheim Ducks is I get to camp, They've got three, they get four goaltenders. They've drafted through the expansion draft, Guy Bear and Ron Tugnut. And then they have um, Mikhail Stelenkov and myself. So they got mm-hmm. four goaltenders in camp that they've, they're looking at. So it comes down to the first, the the last play um, exhibition game in, in training camp and the game's over and, and, they're going to make the final cuts. And so they call me in the office. So I'm like, okay, I'm going down. So they call me in. They said, Alan, you were the best goaltender in camp by far. By far the best goaltender in camp. He said, we didn't realize you were that good. Hmm. You have opened our eyes. Um, we are going to send you to San Diego because we've drafted the other two guys. And we feel we are strong in goaltending you are a groin pull from being back up here. I said, okay, great. Yeah. They said, we're going to probably trade a goaltender to fill in any needs we have, because now we feel we are solid in goaltending. We've got mm-hmm. three, if not four guys that can play. So you're going to be your groin pull from being back up here. I said, okay. So I go down to San Diego. I am the all-star goaltender both years in San Diego. Um, Mikhail Stalenkov, because of his age, they they can't send him down. They have to send him down for two weeks and then bring him back up and then send him down and then bring him back up. So for two years, I never got a chance to play in Anaheim Mm -hmm. at all. Even Mm -hmm. when they traded Ron Tugnut, I never got a chance to play in Anaheim. So come the end of the season, they offered me a new contract. Half the money in the minors of my NHL contract, and half the money in, in the miners, so $300,000, 150 in the miners. Um, I told him to stick it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I said, "Yeah, you had your chance." I said, "I'm I'm having a blast playing in the eye. We're flying everywhere. I don't have the the, the intense pressure of being in the NHL. I'm playing every night. I'm playing sixty games. I'm having a blast. So my general manager was um, Don Waddell. He was the new general manager of the Orlando solar bears. So I walked over, I took the contract, I dropped it on his desk. I said, match the minor league salary for three years and I'll come play for you in Orlando. So he signed me before he signed a coach. I was the first player signed. and that's how I got to Orlando.
0: That's great. And while
1: I was in Orlando, the first season I was having a great year. We had a great team. We had a lot of uh, ex NHL veterans. Um, I was having a great year. And Dallas had issues because Wakaluk was hurt and Moog was hurt. So they needed a guy and they had Manny Fernandez and Manny Fernandez wasn't doing the job. He just, he just wasn't playing well. So I got the call from my agent that Dallas wanted me to come play for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I go to Dallas, uh, I meet them in Vancouver. Um, I get it put into my contract that I get, Five thousand per win. Well, I won the first four games in a row.
0: <laughs> you're making <laughs> as well you're as making my normal bread. salary.
1: Yeah. So I, was, uh, so I just kept saying to the press, you know, I'm here till the guys come back. I'm just on loan. I'm going back to Orlando. Blah blah blah. You know, I'm just a fill in. You know, whatever. Well, um, the general manager, uh, Montreal Canadian player, um, I can't remember his name. He called <laughs> me in and said, you know, I know you're saying the right things and you're trying to be politically correct and saying you're going somewhere. But as of right now, you're not going anywhere. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I ended up playing 10 games in a row for Dallas. Um, You know, I went four, five, and one. Had fun, had a good time. It was nice to get back into the NHL and and prove that I could still play. Yeah. And then went went back to Orlando and went to the finals and lost in the finals.
0: (laughs) So almost a storybook ending, but a a good finish to your career.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Now, let's get, Alan, to the most important question. Your nicknames were Beast and Ernie. How did you get those?
1: Well, Beast is, is pretty easy from Bester, Beaster, Beast. I mean, that was, that's where that came from. Um, not so much that I was a beast in any way. It was just more uh, play on my last name, but Beaster. You little Beaster, you, you know. So, um, so that was that. How about Ernie? Ernie, um, one I hated. Oh, During my first year in Toronto um, I walked into the rink and I didn't put my contacts in prior to getting to the rink. I put on my gold rimmed glasses and I looked about 14 years old, if not 12 <laughs> um, at that time. I was pretty young. I was only 19 and uh, Smith um, <sighs> Darn it, I can't think of his name um, he looked at me and goes, it's Ernie Douglas from My oh, Three Sons. My Three Sons. So it stuck for a little while, which was fine. And then it died. And then it went away. And then uh, Russ Courtnell and, and uh, Mark Osborne, they and uh, Eddie Chuck they revived it later on and it stuck with Ernie for a while. <laughs> but that's where it came from. Ernie Douglas from My Three Sons.
0: That's good. <laughs> Alan, I want to give a shout out to the ultimate Leafs fan, Mr. Mike Wilson. He has an awesome podcast with your former teammate, Rick Vive. It's called Squid and the Ultimate Leafs Fan. And one of the favorite questions that they ask their guests is about pranks. So I'll ask you, were there any good pranks you remember? And who were the biggest pranksters
1: among your teammates? You know, I can't think of a single one, to be honest with you right now. I can't think of a single one that happened. Um, If you were late coming into practice, um, if you weren't there X amount of time prior to practice or prior to the game, guys would cut your laces. And you'd be in a hurry, in a rush, and you'd put your skates on and your laces were completely cut. So you'd have to – that was the the, the big one that I remember. Uh, Other ones were – Um, and Greg Terian was probably one of the worst for this and builder Lego is another one. Um, We'd be at a team meal, pregame meal in the, in the hotel. And all of a sudden you'd hear shoe check, shoe check. You look down, everybody would look down and someone go, ah, and they got sour cream on their shoe because someone crawled under the table and put a big dollop of sour cream on their shoe. So, I mean, things like that. I mean, just, pranks good for bonding. Yeah.
0: The other, the other big uh, question that uh, Mike Wilson and Rick vive love to ask their guests is John Brophy stories. He was your coach at one time. Do you have any good John Brophy stories? And what'd you think of coach Brophy?
1: Coach Brophy. um, He was my coach in new market. Once again, he was a great coach for me. He just came to me one day and said, Alan, I know nothing about goaltending. Just go stop the puck. You know I'm going to leave you alone. I'm not going to play head games with you like uh, Carpenter did. Um, you know, just go play. So that was great. I love Brophy for that. Um, John Brophy, he had a temper. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it's just it, there's too many stories to tell <laughs> about John. You know, we one night in in St. Catharines. We played a lackluster game and, uh, he said, okay, boys, take your game jerseys off, put your practice jerseys on. We're going back on the ice. Oh boy. So we took our practice, our game jerseys off, put our practice jerseys on, went to go back on the ice. The other team hadn't left the building yet. So he's like, get back in the dressing room. So we had to sit in the dressing room and wait for their team to leave before we went out and skated for the next hour at 11 o'clock with all our family and friends waiting for us. And we're going back on the ice and skating for an hour. Uh, Another time, he pulled a chair and put it at center ice. He said, Bester, sit on the chair. And the player, he goes, you worked your ass off last night. They didn't. They watched you work. Now you can sit there and watch them work. And they skated for an hour. And I sat in a chair at center ice watching the guy skate, Okay, you know, yes. stuff like that. Uh, he'd come in and he'd be so angry. He would take his suit jacket off and rip it to shreds. I think he had probably a couple dozen suit pants that had no jackets to him because he had torn them to bits. So, I mean, there's just so many stories about John. Um, great man, very passionate, uh, loved hockey. And, and Sorry to hear him pass. Yeah,
0: well, it's great to hear, Alan. Do you still follow the NHL? And you know the question I'm going to ask: Is this the year for the
1: Leafs? I do not follow hockey whatsoever. <laughs> I I will turn on the playoffs and watch a little bit here and there. Maybe the finals. Uh, I think last year I watched the last period of the of the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, I just I just had enough. Yeah. I, I, I find it hard to watch, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, I, I don't know why, but I just find it very hard to watch. Yeah. Um, you
0: know, it's a very different want, game.
1: It is a different game. I mean, I mean, I would not, I would not even get a sniff nowadays um, with my well, size. You said something would,
0: interesting about you more butterfly style. You know, you were, you played at five foot, seven, 150 pounds. Today, Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay—he's the best example. He plays at 210 pounds on skates. He's six foot five, and he's kind of got this hybrid butterfly and stand-up. But it's interesting to say, hear you say that you actually did go down.
1: Yep. But I would challenge. So I, yes. I, I would. Where goaltenders now stay deep in their crease. Yep. Um, more European style of goaltending. I was out beyond the crease to, to make myself as big as possible. Yep. but I had the ability to get back. I had the quickness and the agility to get back and cover, um, cover the post or cover the side of the net if I needed to. But that's how I compensated for my size was to yeah. challenge as much as possible.
0: I got one more hockey question for you, Alan. Were there any players that you either always could stop or that you just couldn't stop? They had your number.
1: Well, uh, Dale Howard had my number. Um, whenever we played Winnipeg. I don't know if we thought we could beat them easily or, or whatever, but it ended up being a 7-6 game or an 8-7 game, and uh, Dale Howardchuck usually got a few goals on me. Um, he had everyone's number. Yeah. Now, the player that I used to um, see a lot of and, and play well against was Steve Eiserman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had always seemed to do really well against him. Um, he had numerous breakaways on me over the years, and and that is the reason why Detroit s- traded for me because I played so well against Detroit my whole career. Uh-huh. Um, and the owner told um, the general manager to trade for me because he didn't want me to go to St. Louis or Chicago and end up playing them multiple times a year.
0: That's that's your best uh, your best interview is showing what you can do. Yep. When was the last time you're in Toronto, Alan? Do you still have family either in Hamilton or in the Greater Toronto Area?
1: I have family in Toronto. Uh, my sister is in Wasaga uh, Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother is in Waterdown. Um, my other brothers in Hamilton. My sister, uh, my sister's Gina, is in Stony Creek, and my sister Mary's in, in on the mountain in Hamilton. So I still have a lot of family up there. Um, I don't get up that often. I I came up for the Hamilton Husky induction into the Hall of Hamilton Husky Hall of Fame. I came up for that, played some golf prior to COVID. Yeah, I've been up a few times at card shows to do autographs and and, and got rid of some equipment while I was there. Um, But uh, no, I don't make it up to Toronto very often anymore. Um, I don't and and I don't go to Toronto and Hamilton per se. I would yep. go to my sister's cottage up in uh, in uh, Perry Sound or yep. go up to see my sister in Wasaga Beach and uh, maybe sneak into Hamilton to see my uh, my family there.
0: Fabulous! Well, it's always nice to get back. I'm sure. Well, it sounds like you got you're living your best life there in Orlando. I'm very jealous. That's the way to do it. What are your plans here as we, as we wrap up today? what are your plans for the remainder of 2022 and beyond beyond your professional careers or anything else you're working on down there in Florida?
1: Uh, my golf game yes <laughs> that's, that's my main, main, my main uh, hobby is to, to, to golf. Um, my wife and I used to scuba dive quite a bit, but we've kind of given that up in the last couple of years. Uh, that's gone by the wayside but I, uh, I play golf every Saturday and Sunday. I'm out on the course at 6:40, and we're done by nine o'clock. My uh, good friend and I, we play in two hours and 20 minutes, the two of us. That's uh, the way well, to do it. If I play by myself, it's an hour and a half. I'm done. Yeah. Um, we play in two, under two and a half hours and then you have your whole weekend still, you know, my yeah. wife and I went kayaking the other day, um, in the shingle Creek We went kayaking for two hours. So, you know, we try and do as much as we can. You know, I've got some new rollerblades and trying to get out and do some rollerblade and I'm trying to, trying to get a little more fit because I put so much weight on the past few years that uh, I need to, to be more active and, and try and lose some of this weight. But uh, we have, uh, I have seven more years probably with uh, Hilton. Mm-hmm. And then retirement, uh, we're in the process of moving our, household from Orlando to St. Pete, because we have a house over there. Okay. So that's what I'm looking forward to is, is moving over there and doing some more fishing and lots more golf. So
0: fantastic. Yeah. Well, those are, those are good goals. You're a man with a plan, which is always yeah. good. Well, Alan, thank you very much for your time. It was great having you. Where can we best follow you or keep in touch or anyone who wants to reach you? What's the best way to know what Alan Bester's up to?
1: Um, it seems like I still get fan mail, so it seems like everybody seems to know my address. I don't know where they get it from, but they seem to find it. So uh, I guess whatever the the venue is to find my address, you can send send me autograph pictures, and I'll sign them and things like that. So
0: fabulous! Well, that's great. Well, thank you very much for your time. It was great welcome, catching sir. up. Wishing you continued success. And to the listener, thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast on behalf of Alan Bester. I am Andrew Applebaum saying. Mahalo.